Turn your Bibles, if you will, to Luke chapter 1. The passage that we read earlier, uh, Luke 1, 46 to 55. This morning we're going to direct our attention to the Magnificat, the Song of Mary. It gets its name from the first word of this hymn of praise in the old Latin Vulgate Bible, where it reads, Magnificat anima mea dominum. And if you don't know Latin, that means my soul magnifies the Lord. This hymn of praise has become well known throughout the history of the church. It's been a favorite vehicle of praise for centuries. In fact, the Church of England's Book of Common Prayers, in that book, repeating the Magnificat is part of the evening prayers every single day. This song of praise was uttered by the Virgin Mary after she had been told that a son was conceived by her, in her by the Holy Spirit, after she had traveled to see her relative Elizabeth, after she was greeted by Elizabeth as the mother of my Lord. Mary, who had doubtless pondered these events, trying to understand what God was doing with her, now responds in this hymn of praise. This hymn, the Magnificat, displays the fact that Mary was not just God's baby maker. He had given her great insight and clear understanding of the implications of Jesus' coming birth. The song of praise is instructive for us this last Sunday of Advent. So come and sit with me at the feet of a godly teenage girl. And learn about God's wonderful plans. If you find such a notion objectionable, remember that she has been chosen by God himself to be the most exalted among women. And now she is filled with the Holy Spirit himself, not just to bear God's Son, but to explain to us what God is doing through her Son. Let me read it again, verse 46. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him. From generation to generation he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. This morning, let me just suggest two truths that are set before us here. The first is Mary, the first Mary said, and we say, Jesus came to save little old me. Jesus came to save little old me. I don't know if you know that expression, little old me. It's a gentle form of self-deprecation, the way one would refer to himself or herself uh, uh, when feeling rather unworthy. I think it may be more of a southern expression, I'm not sure, but it certainly fits our text. Every year during Christmas time, we hear stories of people giving away some of their wealth to unsuspecting recipients. 
Someone passing out $100 bills, I heard this year. Someone paying off $50,000 of layaways at Walmart, I heard this year. And as we see these accounts, the response of the recipients could easily be this expression. For me, really, little old me, (laughs) no one expects to be singled out and be the recipient of undeserved generosity. So imagine Mary's shock. God has singled her out and revealed to her that she would give birth to the Son of the Most High God. She's filled with awe, excitement, overwhelmed with praise that she has been chosen for such a unique task. But her joy was not just in her unique calling where we mostly focus it, but in what God was about to do for everyone. You see, Mary was, was, was seemingly a nobody in her world. She is often pictured as, a, pictured as a dignified, well-dressed, 30-something mother. No. She's a poor Jewish teenage girl planning to get married. And not only was she no one special in the eyes of her neighbors, she was conscious of her own need of a savior. In verse 7, she refers to God in just that way, my Savior. The church has erred when it has embraced the doctrine of the Immaculate Conception, the, the, the view that Mary was born sinless. We properly blessed her for her unique role in God's plan, but Mary herself confesses her need of a Savior. But that's just what God had promised her a few verses earlier. Name the baby Jesus, the angel said, For he will save his people from their sins. And for Mary, this salvation was not just for the removal of sin out there in the world. It was quite personal, this expression of God's grace. Though she was unworthy, God had chosen to use her life to manifest his own life through her. He had come to be her Savior. Listen again to her actual words. Oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he took notice of this lowly servant girl, and from now on all generations will call call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy. He has done great things for me. Not just he came to use my body for his purposes, but he has done great things for me. Mary was overwhelmed, not just with her special privilege, but with God's grace to her. Jesus came to save little old me. And folks, what was true of Mary is also true for you and me. Of course, her role as Jesus' mother is unique, but Mary clearly sees that God's salvation of the humble, the nobodies, is not unique at all. That remains true for all time. She specifically says so in the very next verse, verse 50. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. God is more merciful than we ever thought. Jesus came to save me, you. Mary's experience was similar to Hannah's 
centuries earlier. Remember Hannah, the mother of Samuel? Remember how she prayed in her distress, humbled by her barrenness? And God had mercy, though she too was nobody. In response, she sang a song of praise. In fact, Mary quotes from Hannah's song of praise here and there throughout her song. Mary and Hannah both came to understand this great truth. God saves little people, little old people, a barren woman, a teenage girl. This has been Mary's, God's plan throughout the ages. Mary quoted from so many different parts of the Old Testament story, and then in God's timing, it became true of Mary, and, and, and now it's true of us. Jesus came to save the humble soul that fears God. There were nobodies in the world. This morning I announced good news to you who are nobody. The sinful, the broken, the forgotten, the hurting, the humbled, the hopeless. Jesus came to save such people. People like you. So come to him in faith and receive him with joy. You too will find his salvation is not just the removal of your guilt and shame. God has chosen to manifest his life in yours by the power of the spirit of Jesus, Mary's son, God's son. There's also a second truth here. Jesus will turn the world right side up. Jesus will turn the world right side up. I don't know if you've read any news lately, but somewhere the world got turned upside down. The wicked prosper and the righteous struggle. The arrogant egomaniacs rise to prominence and power, and the wise but humble experts are seldom consulted. Those who cut corners and work the least somehow make a killing. Those who work their fingers to the bone have trouble making ends meet. Those who have plenty prosper. Those who have little lose what they have. Dare to do evil and the powers of society will come to you. Defend your right to do that. Try to do good and people will line up to oppose you. Someone turn the world upside down. Well, Mary knew about that, too. Remember, Mary grew up in Nazareth. Nazareth as, can anything good come out of Nazareth? (laughs) That's where. It was considered a nothing town in the most backwoods part of Israel, a place called Galilee. For centuries, her community had been the pawn of tyrants pushing back and forth across the border to the north. Even the leaders of her own people didn't think much of Galilee, mocked the Galileans. But as Mary reflected on the Lord's miraculous work with her, she realized that in choosing her, God had bypassed the rich and the famous and the powerful, the people of prominence. Instead, God had chosen her a teenage girl from nowhere. And as she pondered what God was doing, he caused her to understand that she was tasting of the beginning of the great reversal, 
the coming of God's kingdom. For Jesus was coming to turn the world right side up again. Oh, this is without a doubt the consistent pattern of God's work. It was the prediction of the prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Amos, Micah, others. The mighty who rule in their arrogance will be brought to nothing, and God will raise up the humble to inherit his kingdom. God had done this before, humbling Pharaoh, the great king of Egypt, while delivering Pharaoh's slaves by his mighty hand. Destroying the Babylonians who thought themselves invincible while delivering his people held captive for 70 years there. Bringing down Israel's leaders who became uh, arrogant while visiting the lowly with mercy. We see this reversal promised and beginning to happen throughout the scriptures. Wherever God's kingdom begins to appear, it brings a reversal in the fortunes of men. And Mary, reflecting on what God had promised and had begun to do, realized this is the kingdom of God appearing. The great reversal is becoming a reality. Indeed, it was so certain in her mind that she speaks of it as if it is all. She says, his mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and the haughty ones. He has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. Oh, she hadn't seen it all yet, and nor have we. But she understood that Jesus was coming to turn the world right side up. So in place of the influence and power of the wicked, God will remember the promises made to Abraham to bless the whole world through his son, the Messiah. And that's where Mary understood that these events were headed. The fulfillment of the messianic promises made to Abraham thousands of years before. The promise for which God's faithful ones had waited for centuries. Listen to her again. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful For he made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. Her baby Jesus was coming to turn the world right side up, blessing all nations by establishing his kingdom and fulfillment of the promises made through the centuries. And folks, that's exactly what has now begun. For over 2,000 years now since Jesus came, Everywhere that the good news of Jesus has been proclaimed, tyranny has begun to give way to mercy, hatred has begun to be swallowed up by love, and wickedness has begun to be overturned by righteousness as Jesus turns lives right side up. No, we don't see it all yet, but we see more than Mary saw when she believed. And there's much more coming. God has promised he will shake the whole world until nothing remains but his kingdom. And in that day, finally, death will be swallowed up by life. The curse will be removed forever. The proud and the wicked will be condemned. And those who humbly hope in the Savior will be exalted with him forever and will inherit the earth. On that day, our material wealth and our power, our places of honor in society, our prestige in the world will all mean 
nothing. The only thing that will matter will be our relationship to Mary's son, the Lord Jesus. When he comes to turn the world right side up. As we reflect on this truth with Mary, there's both comfort and warning here. There's comfort for us as we wait in faith, enduring scorn, opposition, malice, but confident that our faith and our labor is not in vain in the Lord. But there's also warning for us. This coming reversal is very real. The things which seem like something will become nothing. If we are so in tune with the values of the world that we bask in comfort, we need to be shaken a bit for these things will pass away. So as the apostle says, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. What great truths are set before us by the Holy Spirit through the words of Mary, the mother of our Lord Jesus. A simple young girl who dared to believe what God said and put herself at his disposal through things. Jesus comes to save even little old me. Here we see Jesus portrayed as Savior, the deliverer of the nobodies, the broken, the sinful, the hurting, the hopeless. The Savior has come. But that's not all. Jesus comes to turn the whole world right side up. Here we also have Jesus portrayed as Lord, the sovereign one who introduces his kingdom against which nothing can stand. That's how Mary began her song. My soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. This Sunday before Christmas, I call you to humble yourself and trust Jesus as your Savior and abandon your plans swearing allegiance to Jesus, the sovereign Lord. Amen. Let's pray.